I'm familiar with being disintegrated, but I don't look at you as a broken person, not whole, you are. And so my focus is on who you are and you are not a disease or a disorder. And that raises a lot more questions than it answers, but that's okay, it's part of the journey. Just come and begin to experience just as you are and just as it unfolds. And, and then to watch them begin to relax and accept some of the limitations that may initially be present. But as they begin to enter the practice of yoga, beginning to realize that space begins to open up, physical therapy is about strength, balance, flexibility, and creating space. And I would tell my patients that yoga and mindfulness is about strength, balance, flexibility, and creating space in the body and in the mind, and arguably in the spirit. I'm your host, Derek Vanderwalker, and this episode wraps up our month-long series with the nonprofit Warriors at Ease. This last interview meant a lot to me because we really get into spirituality. It's not something this podcast has had a chance to explore yet. It's not your typical conversation between guys, but it came out great. In this conversation, I speak with Dr. Vincent Arnold, one of the directors on the board at Warriors at Ease. In 2005, while serving in Iraq, a rocket hit Vince's office and blew it up. Fortunately, a few minutes before, he had already walked over to the medical building and was no longer in that location. But the personal experience of seeing that obliterated plywood structure where he had been sleeping his nights had struck him nonetheless. And so when he came back from Iraq, his sleep was messed up, he was not in a great place, and as he says, he felt a profound sense of being disconnected from himself. Until one day he stumbled into a fitness center in Swansboro, North Carolina, and he looked in the window and saw some people were doing yoga and decided to go check it out. At the end of the class, after doing all these exercises he really had never done before, he had a feeling in his body that he describes as being somewhere between elation and totally mystified. And it was in that moment that he reconnected. Well, Dr. Vince Arnold, welcome to the podcast and thanks for joining us. It's good to be here. So this is the final interview for the Warriors at Ease series, which has been an incredibly rewarding project. I've had some amazing conversations with many of the folks who've gone through the program. And this is the first opportunity to really talk about spirituality on the podcast, which is something we really haven't delved very deep into. But before we go there, I'd love to share a little bit of your background with the listeners. Can you tell us about your path in the military career and experience serving our country as a chaplain? I'd be happy to. I began my military career as an Air Force Reserve chaplain candidate, and I did that program while I was in graduate school at Duke University doing my Master of Divinity. And I was in the program for three years. And then through circumstances, I made a lateral conversion and went active duty in the Navy after I graduated. And so I got a commission in the Navy. During my Navy career, which lasted another 25 years, I was assigned to the Coast Guard for two years. And then I spent about a decade with the United States Marine Corps. And the rest of the time was with the Navy aircraft carrier, chapel, hospital, a supply ship, 
I made two deployments with the Navy, and then I served in Iraq in 2005 with the 2nd Marine Logistics Group. So I was honored to serve with all those branches. The Army was the only one I didn't wear the uniform with, but I served with them in Panama a month or so, and and we had a number of Army personnel. So my whole adult life and ministry has been focused on the military, which has been a tremendous honor. Thank you for that quick background. So let me dig in a little deeper, because not everyone probably has a great working definition of what a chaplain is or what a chaplain does. Can you speak to a little bit how the chaplain serves within the military? It's really a good question, and I'd kind of like to begin that with an interesting way that it started after I retired. I was the first director of the Deployment Wellness, which was a center for post-traumatic stress treatment. And then I spent eight years with the Intrepid Spirit, which was a clinic specializing in traumatic brain injury as a pastoral counselor. And so patients were assigned to come to an intake appointment with me. And I say assigned because I told the staff, you don't want to ask them, do you want to see the chaplain? Do you want to see the pastoral counselor? They're going to say no. Just like if you ask them if you want to see the speech pathologist. They would say, no, I don't have any trouble speaking. But if you told them the speech pathologist specialized in memory and cognition, they would say, well, yeah, I'd like to see the speech pathologist. I said, so let me tell you what the chaplain does. And so in the clinic, I specialized in mindfulness-based therapies using meditation and yoga. And so I would go into explaining that. But in the military, chaplains fundamentally provide religious and spiritual care, and and they are an advisor to the commanding officer on matters of human relations and those kinds of things, the human dimension of the military organization. And chaplains provide for their own. So as a Christian, I would conduct Christian services. I facilitate for others. So I had Jewish personnel. I had Roman Catholic personnel. I had Muslims. I would arrange for them to have services, to have materials, and to have a representative clergy person to work with them or chaplain. And then the outer circle was we care for all. So provide for our own, facilitate for others, and care for all. When I served as the Navy Recruiting Chaplain Program Manager, I'm excited to tell you that we were able to recruit the first Buddhist chaplain in the Navy, and that was back in the early 2000s. So it's a wonderful ministry. The chaplains are basically very caring individuals. that They wear their rank on one collar and their clergy designation on the other collar. So they're part of an organization, but they also represent something bigger than the military. And how has a spiritual practice helped serve those who are in the military in service? The spirituality piece, as it's been said, is kind of the glue that holds everything together. There's lots of areas, lots of tension, lots of fragments with relationships and organizational structure and missions and philosophies and ideologies and family demands and personal needs and all of that. And bringing some kind of order and meaning in the midst of that, spirituality provides the glue that holds it together. I think religion has gotten kind of a bum rap. Religion kind of chokes a lot of people. 
But the word itself, religion, comes from religio, which means to bind or hold together, to integrate or to make one. It holds it all together. I learned from my father, who wasn't religious, who never went to church, never prayed with me or anything like that. But I learned that he was very spiritual. And that was a valuable lesson as I went into the military because I would meet military men and women that were not part of organized religion. Some were just indifferent. Others were antagonistic at the very mention of such things. If you would listen, you would find something deeper than the surface of religion. I call that spirituality. And how might you, in your words, define spirituality? Well, I'd like to say these are my words. They are now. You're hearing them from me. But I learned them from Dr. Puchowski from the George Washington Institute of Spirituality and Healthcare in Washington. She's devoted her entire medical career to teaching religion and spirituality to medical personnel at the School of Medicine. And I attended a week-long program there, and, and I learned from her She published this in the journal Palliative Care in 2009. And so this is the working definition. And I say working because in the military, definitions constantly change. In healthcare, they constantly change. In the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders, the classifications constantly change. It's not an insult. It doesn't mean the word's not trustworthy. It just means our knowledge is continuing to unfold. So these are talking points rather than just a hard quantitative definition. That said, spirituality is the way human beings express meaning and purpose. It's also the way they experience a sense of connectedness to themselves, to others, to the moment, to nature, to the significant, and the sacred. And significant and sacred is with little s, and it's with capital S. When you retired from your military career, how did you get introduced or connected to Warriors at Ease? Well, I try to keep my story brief, but it's important to say I did a a doctorate in renewal from Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. And my dissertation was on understanding and ministering to persons with post-traumatic stress disorder. So it was focused on trauma. And then I did a subsequent doctoral program from Argosy University in counseling psychology. And I wanted to broaden my counseling training and credentials. And so I did that. And it was genuine, but it was academic. However, I've encountered a lot of trauma As a military chaplain, unfortunately, I'm called on the scene when there's a death and when someone's dying and accidents. And I won't go through the litany of of things that I've done all around the world. But then in 2005 in Iraq, third Friday there, a rocket hit my office and blew it up. And fortunately, I had stepped over to medical just five minutes, 10 minutes before that rocket hit. So I wasn't in the plywood structure, but I took it quite personal because I slept there every night. I had slept there and I did for six more months. And there were many other rockets that went overhead and landed nearby. And and so 
when I came back from Iraq, my sleep was messed up and I felt a profound sense of being disconnected from myself. That's the best way I can say it. I actually felt like someone was going to walk up to me any minute and tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, chaps, I'm sorry you didn't make it. Mm. I was really just kind of like removed from myself. And one day I was working out at a fitness center in Swansboro, just a gym. And there's a sign on the back wall that said yoga. I looked in the window and there's some people doing yoga and I decided to go. So anyway, I, I went to the yoga class and she was just doing exercise. Do this, do this, do this. No teaching, nothing. But at the end of it, she played some music and we were laying there and my eyes were closed, and then something hit me. You couldn't have startled me anymore if you literally walked up to me and kicked me because a volcano erupted within, and I was sobbing, and I was saying to myself, Vince, get a hold of yourself. If you let this out, they're going to think you're crazy. And I was both elated and mystified at what happened because I felt profoundly connected to myself. And I was weeping and rejoicing within. And I got up and began researching. And my journey quickly took me to a training with John Kabat-Zinn on mindfulness-based stress reduction. And then the next thing I know, I stumbled across Integrated Restoration, which is iRest with Dr. Richard Miller. And that's where I met Robin Carnes. And my connection with her that led me to Warriors at Ease. Along the way, I went to a 200-hour yoga training and got certified. And then at the clinic, I began offering mindfulness-based stress reduction groups and integrated restoration or iRest. And I did those five days a week. I did eight groups over a five-year period, yoga and meditation. So how does Warriors at Ease transform and impact the lives of those who not just go through the program, but are also a part of the community? Well, the military population, the people that I work with, were basically young adults. And so they're at the top of their game by definition of extreme sports. I mean, they're very active and they're living on the edge from rocket climbing and mountain climbing and jumping out of airplanes and triathlons and just extreme physical intense mental activities. And then when they're injured, it's like their body that has enabled them to do these things. Now their body has turned to not just not be their friend anymore, but to be their enemy. And so when they come to the clinic and they're desperate for something that helps, they were willing to try, but they're skeptical. But to see them quickly begin to make friends with their own body, I would tell them we're not trying to change anything. Matter of fact, I would say I work in a medical clinic, but I don't embrace the medical model that's based on disease and disorder. I am familiar with dis-ease and discomfort and disorder. I'm familiar with being disintegrated. But I don't look at you as a broken person, not whole. You are. And so my focus is on who you are. And you are not a disease or a disorder. 
And that raises a lot more questions than it answers, but that's okay. It's part of the journey. Just come and begin to experience just as you are and just as it unfolds. And, and then to watch them begin to relax and accept some of the limitations that may initially be present. But as they begin to enter the practice of yoga, beginning to realize that space begins to open up. Physical therapy is about strength, balance, flexibility, and creating space. And I would tell my patients that yoga and mindfulness is about strength, balance, flexibility, and creating space in the body and in the mind and in the spirit. And so to begin to see them enter this process, making friends with their own experience, learning from their own body, learning to listen. And I would interject because they're not coming to church, but we are whole people. And so I would say, regardless of what your beliefs in the spiritual happen to be about your body, how this body occurred, I believe there's a creator. But we all have to admit this body, and so wonderfully made, it is the most amazing, intricate, designed body, mind, and spirit, and how little do we know about it? And it's what we live in. It's who we are. There's something came up to me a while back, maybe it was last year. And you know, there's so much happening with technology now. People talk about all the amazing things that artificial intelligence can do. And it's pretty amazing stuff. Heck, the, the Waze app on my phone, I don't have to think about where I need to go. It just tells you where to go. But I think there's a real, call it, original intelligence that's within us that is just mind-blowing. And it's the wisdom that's just packed in there. It's this incredible spiritual network that's in you that connects you to everything around you. And the body can really cover from quite a bit if you know how to give it what it needs. And there's a great quote by Hemingway that I've said before on this podcast, and many of us are broken, but some of us are stronger in the broken places. And that could be physically somebody recovering from an injury that had set them back and now they know how to really take care of that weak spot or the wound that they had to their ego and their self because they no longer can climb those rocks or do those triathlons. They find that there's a deep wisdom and strength in that loss and in that wound. And so I love what you just shared. And I totally agree with you what you just said about the capabilities that's within us and also the universe to explore that's within us, learning what you feel and know in your body, and then taking that out to others or just being in a great place. That definition of spirituality at the center of it was the phrase connectedness. And so that's with the self and with others and the moment and nature, the significant and the sacred. And so I would talk with my patients about that sense of connectedness. And, and many would say that they felt close to God out in nature, walking on the beach, climbing the mountains, fishing, whatever. And so I would say, well, when's the last time you went for a walk on the beach? Or when's the last time you were able to take the trail and be on the mountainside. And they would say, well, it's been like a year. 
And I said, well, what can you do to go again? If that's where you experience this, that's where you want to begin to make the space for that in your life and and go go to your strength, go to that place that where you have experienced the sense of being connected to whatever it is that you're calling this. It's connectedness to the world, to nature. We're all connected to it. And I would jokingly say, if you think you're not connected to nature, then then do this. Inhale, hold your breath, and let me know how that works. They're going to learn pretty quick. You know, somewhere along this podcast, it came up, the word passion and suffering have the same Latin root. And I'm wondering in your experience, what you've seen and how these lives are shaped, is it kind of an opportunity when someone has a setback or a loss or a major challenge that changes their life in a way? Do you see that as an aspect of learning how to connect with the self and connect with others and connect with nature and and the universe around? Absolutely. I think that those traumatic experiences and those things that people find themselves suffering and they begin to reflect, trauma and suffering quickly eliminates the superficial things of life. I mean, when I'm laying in the hospital or emergency room, I could care less what kind of car I've got in the garage. I could care less about a a whole bunch of things. And and depending on what is going on with me in the ER, I might not care about anything other than, am I going to make it? And so Janet Bullman wrote a book called Shattered Assumptions many years back in the 80s. And she talks about making assumptions as just part of our nature. We all make assumptions. I mean, we're making assumptions that this technology is going to keep working and we're going to finish this interview and the Internet's not going to crash. So assumptions are endless. But she said there are certain core assumptions, and she identified them as a benevolent, meaningful world and self as worthy. And that trauma shatters these assumptions and we're forced into, are we going to rebuild this broken world and how are we going to do it? Are we going to put it back together with faulty material? Are we going to rebuild something that's stronger? And you can hear implicitly a spiritual dimension as well. And going to your earlier comment about being stronger in those broken places. Yes, in that sense, The trauma can be our friend because it's teaching us something about what really is important. And we can give pause to do that. And I would say that a chaplain, I would actually say a good yoga instructor that's working with a person would help recognize that. Because in in yoga, if they've got a restriction in, in some part of the body, if you begin to extend your arm and you're about halfway to extending it and you come to that place of, oh, it's going to hurt if I go any further, then don't press into the pain. Don't power through the pain like some people tell you to do, but don't be afraid of it. Just come to the edge of it and just breathe. And when you're ready, we will go to the next position. And you're beginning to explore the edges. And amazingly enough, over time, they might discover that they've got more space, a more range of motion than they realized they had because rather than pulling back, they met it. 
but they met it with a sense of compassion and acceptance without forcing change. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely makes sense. And one thing I really appreciate as a guy who's getting closer to 50, and this is why I'm so passionate about getting more men, particularly in midlife, to get into yoga practice. Well, the first thing is they're going to learn how to play on that edge to physically find places where they're challenged and not over-challenged and not creating new injuries. And if they find that edge, that's where the growth is, literally and figuratively. But also they have an opportunity to really focus on the breath there, and which will also help with building awareness and intelligence in those places that need that help. The second thing is if guys in their midlife can get into this practice and they do this a couple times a week, a few times a month, over a few years, they're going to be in a great place. Over 10 years, even better. When you think about if you start a practice in your 40s or 50s, my gosh, you could be in an amazing place in your 70s. And think about all the people you can help with all that presumed free time and retirement. Get out of the house, choose something that's about giving back and staying active. So I totally agree and hear what you're saying. It's sort of a metaphor is the cells in our body, it's, when they're overstressed, it's not good. When cells in our body are not stressed enough, it's not good either. So having a little bit of a yoga practice allows you to check in on a daily basis what's going on and what do you need, but it also gives you a little bit of that challenge in your day and in your body, or it gives you an opportunity to kind of ease off a little bit. If you can't go do the big run or the big bike ride, or you can't lift the big weights that day because of your setback or you're just not feeling it, go do a little yoga. Like go do something that's going to be good for you that keeps you moving. So I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah, I was thinking as you're talking about that, too much exercise, too aggressive can be harmful. But I also know, especially now being retired in my third year, fully retired, I also know that too much rest can be harmful. And so it's really about finding the balance. And again, that's part of the beauty of yoga. It's finding that natural balance. And with military personnel, especially, who have really tapped into the adrenaline and living on the edge and those parts of the sympathetic and parasympathetic system, the nerve part of the nervous system, they're on the amped up side of that most of the time. And so not realizing there's a benefit from it, it's necessary, but to be able to tap in that other side and find the balance and the restoration is, is part of the beauty of the yoga practice that can occur. And I wanted to come back to that thing about connectedness again, because from the spiritual, it's hard to get your hands on it, but there's a dimension of being connected. I want to focus on the physical part for just a moment and point out that in talking with the patients at the brain injury clinic, I would tell them that mindfulness is about paying attention. And we know from neuroscience, where attention goes, the neurons glow. And when the neurons fire together, they wire together. So there's a physicality to this sense of connectedness that we're building in our practice of yoga and meditation because we're putting our attention on this part of the body and that part of the body and the next part of the body. And everywhere we put our attention to, 
the neurons fire. I can tell you right now, Derek, to be aware of the sensation in your left foot. And you cannot not do that. You'd have a different look on your face if your left foot wasn't there. So your attention goes there and the signal is fired and it comes back to your brain. And yeah, my foot's okay. It's there. I get it, Dr. Arnold. It's a silly point. But there's a physicality to this connectedness. There's a biochemistry. There's an electrical component or in the brain, we call it brain waves. And so this really simple practice of yoga which you look in the window as I did that day, and they're just moving slow. And I'm thinking, what in the world? What benefit can there be? But that was because I just didn't know. And then as I began the journey, and again, given my background in research and science and my interest in those things, the world opened up to the neuroscience that's involved in yoga. And what I would also say is contemplative neuroscience, which is a study in meditation in a holistic sense. When I got into meditation years ago, and it was also John Kabat-Zinn, who a friend had recommended to me that kind of got me into mindfulness and meditation. And soon I picked up a term called neuroplasticity. Yes. To your point, the glow happens, those neurons fire and wire together. And what I found and experience in a yoga practice is you eventually build those connections to different parts of your body. You're sort of remapping the body. Your body is just in real time rewriting the underlying software code <laughs> to be able to feel your thumb, feel your index finger, feel your third toe, work through that ankle that's not as good as the other ankle. And in time, because you are, have that awareness there, the blood flows the tension gives away. There's a better ability to recruit those spots when you consciously want to contract something or do something. A hundred percent. I think it's all there. And these are all the amazing things that exist in a yoga practice beyond the quote unquote cardio workout that most people associate with a hot class and an active beat in the music and just doing some vinyasa exercises. There's so much more and it can be so many things for using different ways. So I wanna come back, I got two final questions for you. The first one is, what should people know about Warriors at Ease? Well, Warriors at Ease is a nonprofit organization. So they're not out there just trying to make money and get rich. They are out there trying to serve the larger world of humanity, international level, so it's not just restricted to the U.S. They focus on the teaching and experience of yoga, and they approach it from an evidence-based, so trying to use the best of current scientific knowledge and research that has exploded, certainly, you know, 30, 40 years now of really worldwide attention on this practice of yoga and meditation, and, and especially it's grabbed the attention of the medical world. And so Warriors at Ease has taken yoga practice because they're especially interested in the military population. They have designed the program to be trauma-sensitive so that we're very careful to point out with military personnel who have injuries, and this would apply to everybody, but they're trying to recover and get back out there in the battlefield. 
They need to get back out in the operation. They, they want to just recover to get back out there to the mission. And Warriors at Ease wants them to befriend the body, recognize the injury, not let it interfere, but honor what's happening with the body right now so that the true restoration can occur to whatever degree that it's going to be for this person. Maybe I can illustrate it this way. In traditional yoga, you come to the end of the routine, typically traditionally come and you're laying on your back. They call it shavasana, I believe, and it's translated corpse pose. We would never call it corpse pose (laughs) in a military (laughs) group. Yeah, totally get it. Because of certainly triggering a number of things for those military personnel. Corpse is not a neutral term. So maybe that's an extreme example, but there's an intention to be aware and mindful of the language that we use and the approach that we're taking in the practice of yoga so that we're minimizing triggering of the traumatic experiences, but we're not letting those things limit us or restrict us from participating and learning more about our own body, mind, and spirit. So they do it evidence-based, trauma-sensitive, yoga being the core or central tool of practice. And what has given you the most joy or satisfaction in being part of this Warriors at Ease organization? Well, as I referred to my story, my journey that propelled me, and then I wound up meeting Robin in the IREST program, and it all just came together. And IREST is based on the practice called Yoga Nidra, the yoga of sleep. So I would tell the patients that you've always been doing yoga. (laughs) (laughs) If you're laying there, you're in a position of yoga. It's just movements of the body on a very basic level. It's been a joy to see service members come in, as all of us do at the beginning. You come in out of this world, and you're there on the mat, but you're thinking about the cars breaking down, price of gas, your boss isn't happy right now, your body's hurting, you have all these things, and you're really not present, but you're there doing yoga. And then at some point, people begin to shift from being focused on all those things that they're focused on the body. And how am I doing? Am I doing this position right? Am I holding my breath long enough? They're still caught up in stuff, but they're doing yoga. (laughs) And then over time, they start experiencing what it's like to not be caught up in the cares of the world, to not be caught up in the technicalities of yoga to beginning to touch this place of just being, where it's not thoughts and emotions and sensations that have captivated me. I'm not lost and imprisoned by those. I'm just being. And in the being, it's unfolding in the midst of yoga. The Marine would never say it that way. Here's what the Marine would say to me. Being in North Carolina, it's hurricane country every summer. We enter hurricane season, and so hurricanes are common and familiar. And so the Marine would say, chaps, my life is like a hurricane, but I come in here to this yoga class, and I'm in the eye of the storm. It's a calm place. And he says, 
when I go home, my wife can look at me and say, you had yoga today, didn't you? <laughs> she, That's says, she could tell. She, she knows. She knows I'm different when I'm doing yoga. And that's the joy when I hear that. It's the joy when the Marine tells me, I ask him to recall a memory of something that was happy. A Marine came to me and said, chaps, I remember what you said. And I came home and my child was playing in the floor and he looked up at me and he said, daddy, daddy. And he said, it dawned on me that my child had been saying that practically every time I walk in. But most of the time, I just walk on through and not really aware. He said, and then I paused and I heard my child. And I saw the joy that he was having and I felt it. Now, people that have been traumatized not only are often numb to their own body, but they're numb to their own range of emotions. And they feel anything, it's either fear, anxiety, or guilt, or anger, darker emotions that are there, but the other they've lost touch with. And so the joy, again, without trying to change anything, but they recognize it. That's tremendous when I witness that over and over and over with patients. That's a fantastic place to cap not only this conversation, but this whole series on the podcast, because I think it pretty much sums it up. And as you say, it's hard to articulate in words the feeling that that gentleman probably has now in his, in his, in his body and his self, but it's a place where everyone can get to, and yoga can be a big part of that path. Well, Vince, this has been great. I really appreciate this conversation. I want to thank you for your service to this country and your leadership and spiritual direction with so many, not only during your career, but also in retirement and with this program. And thank you again for your time. Thank you. So that was a conversation I've been looking forward to having for a while, not just because it was the final interview for the Warriors at Ease series, but it's not often we have an opportunity to talk about spirituality. And yoga is a great place to cultivate that. As Dr. Arnold shared, he would tell his patients that Yoga mindfulness is about strength, balance, flexibility, and creating space in the body, mind, and spirit. He spoke to connectedness, which is really the glue that pulls it all together with the self, the others, the moment, nature, and as he says, the significant and the sacred. So when you feel that sense of connectedness, go there. That's where you want to make your space. And if you go to that space, you'll find your strength and you will continue to be more connected to yourself, to others, and the world around you. Thanks for checking out the series. 